special edition of our show, Her Story on the Rocks. Normally, I'd be sitting here talking to my co-host, Katie, about famous women from history, but sometimes we like to talk to women who are writing about history, sharing history, editing history, and making history. We have a very special guest here with us today, Regina Kanyu Wang. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. So excited. Regina is an editor and bilingual writer who's here to talk about the newest addition to her work that just came out in March, The Way Spring Arrives and Other Stories. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, definitely. Um, hi, I'm Regina. Um, I'm a writer, scholar, and also editor. Um, so I write both in Chinese and English. I mostly write science fiction, but also some nonfiction. Um, the, I'm now working on my PhD project at the University of Oslo, uh, focusing on contemporary Chinese science fiction, especially from the gender and environmental perspective. And I have co-edited a few anthologies including The Way Spring Arrives and Other Stories, and also New Voices in Chinese Science Fiction, and also the English version of The Making of the Wandering Earth, a film production handbook, and so happy to be here. That's so amazing. That's such a list of incredible things that you've added to the genre of literature. Thank you. So as usual, we make a cocktail for all of our books because we're Her Story on the Rock. So I made you a little drink that goes along with your book. It's very spring-based. It's called The Way Spring Arrives. And it is bourbon and Campari and lemonade and mint leaves stirred together, poured over ice. So it's a delightful little drink that you could have in the springtime. Wow, I definitely need to try that out. Awesome. So let's get started by diving into setting the scene of the genre for the stories in your book. This is a collection of Chinese science fiction and fantasy short stories. Can you tell us a little about the genre of Chinese fantasy and Chinese um you know, science fiction and how it kind of compares to what you do when you translate things into English. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Actually, like, uh, we have a very long history of fantastic literature in China. And uh, I think, like, in China, we are kind of uh, different because uh, we usually set a more clear boundary between science fiction and fantasy because those uh, fantasy stories are kind of... um, uh, immersed in our blood of the culture um, because we have so many um, mythologies and ghost stories and they just exist in the vein of our um, classical literature from the very ancient times. And uh, like science fiction in its own way um, actually have a clear kind of root when it came to China in the beginning of um, uh, 1900. So during the late Qing um, dynasty, so at that time, science fiction was kind of um, 
a tool to save the country um, because the country itself was under turmoil at that time. Uh, so like famous intellectuals uh, like Lu Xun and Liang Qitao, um, they first brought uh, science fiction to China as a way to um, popularize science and also democracy um, to save the country and its people. And uh, we also have, uh, we, we don't know like how many or whether there are any female writers writing science fiction at that time. Um, however, uh, we do know that there have been female utopian writing in Chinese science fiction since the very beginning. Um, for example, um, the uh, the the new new shi, which is called uh, the stone of Nuwa, uh, like Jing Tu has also wrote about this um, in her essay in our book as one of the earliest female utopian stories in Chinese science fiction history, uh, where uh, the women uh, they um, take use of their weapons um, with their talent and uh, trying to save the Chinese country at that time. So that is quite of one of the interesting early stories of our like science fiction history. <laughs> I actually wrote like an article about the history of Chinese science fiction. It's kind of an evolution of Nuwa um, because Nuwa um, is the goddess that creates human being in ancient Chinese um, uh, mythology. So unlike the god creates uh, Adam and then Eve, we have a Nuwa, which is a, who is a goddess, uh, creates like um, men and women and uh, like um, with um, different genders uh, at the same time uh, using soil. So like that is also another connection with like the fantastic um, uh, literature and also the gender in early age of um, China. So like the image of Nuwa, our goddess, actually like reappears in the history uh, of uh, Chinese fantastic literature again and again. Uh, even today, there are writers uh, writing about uh, Nuwa, the goddess, and uh, how uh, she evolves with um, the current imagination, both in science fiction and the fantasy literature. That's such an amazing history that it kind of evolved from this like fantasy and then mythology, religious aspect all the way up into science fiction around the 1900s. And I love that you wove in um, the female aspects of this because the short stories in your book are by females and non-binary authors. How did you go about finding authors to contribute to this book? Yeah, thank you so much for asking this question. Um, because uh, we are like we are never in lack of uh, women authors. As for non-binary, it's a more complicated issue because in China, um, like um, LGBTQ authors are usually not let out um, in their identity because of the larger general social um, discourse. So they tend to be more inside. Um, so like when we um, were trying to look for authors and the stories, um, we like reach to authors that we know and we admire and uh, then ask them for stories and some of them even uh, contribute new stories. 
And I think the uh, group of authors that appear in our collection, um, as you see now, um, they include both established authors who have started their career in early 1990s and also younger generation of authors uh, who are like born after 1995. So they are just under their 30. So um, they also include authors have been translated into English a lot and none to quite a number of English readers and also authors who have never been translated. And when we were like choosing the authors to reach out to, we try to be uh, as diverse as possible. So as you notice, like including not only like traditional science fiction and fantasy author, but also like some authors who are usually considered as mainstream authors and include their like magical realistic um, stories. That's a really cool way to go about it and be so inclusive of a lot of different groups of people. Yeah. When I was reading about your book, um, one of the things I read was that one of the goals was to reinvigorate like the English reader's understanding of Chinese literature and Chinese fiction. Um, and I'm not an expert really in that area. What is a, what's a way that this uh, book reinvigorates uh, English reader audience like attention towards Chinese literature? Ah, thank you so much for the question. Um, yeah, actually, like, uh, as I mentioned before, we, we when we talk about uh, science fiction in China, we tend to have a, like, um, boundary, a clear boundary of what is science fiction. Um, however, like um, I myself and also including my co-editors, um, they are also like uh, readers of science, uh, fantasy, uh, not only science fiction. And we are like in love of the like general fantastic literature and uh, that uh, roots in our rich cultural history uh, or history. So I think like um, when we think about science fiction itself, uh, we will see it uh, definitely has a uh, history um, during uh, certain generations. It's kind of uh, masculine and uh, dominated by male. Um, however, um, when we think about uh, um, Chinese science fiction and, uh, and it came to um, the English readers all at once, like both men and uh, women authors. Uh, when I talk to like many of the uh, women Chinese science fiction authors, um, they say they have never experienced uh, um, discrimination of, of being a women writer in Chinese science fiction. Uh, we know that in America there is a history um, that female cannot publish science fiction under their own name. They have to like pretend to be a guy. So although this has not uh, taken place in the history of Chinese science fiction, uh, we notice that um, when we see um, the anthologies of many Chinese science fiction, 90% of the authors are men, although they don't claim it to be an all-men anthology. And if you look at uh, some major awards, you will also see like the juries, uh, most of them are like um, composed of um, men. Um, so like uh, for like this anthology, um, we try to like showcase those women and the non-binary creators and uh, um, tell our readers, okay, like um, 
of course, like there are many of them and each of them are very different. And uh, we try to um, put it together like uh, an art exhibition and uh, by a group of diverse uh, artists. Um, and not only the authors, but also our translators and the essayists. Um, because uh, when we usually uh, read uh, science fiction uh, or read like literature from other countries in general, um, we of course like um, emphasize on, okay, who writes the story a lot, but also we want to like, um, emphasize um, like the translators, they are also an important role. So um, I do believe that uh, like translators and women, they are like uh, similar in the way that they were historically underrepresented um, when we like talk about literature. So in this book, we not only want to showcase those uh, women and non-binary authors, but also those uh, translators. So in this way, um, we try to um, bring to the English readers um, the like different view we see and the different uh, perspective that we think about all these um, like underrepresentation. Yeah, I love that you described um, a book of short stories as being like a way to curate art because it is the, the same way I would walk into an art gallery, right? There's a flow and you see one painting after another, after a photograph, after a sketch. How did you choose, you and the other editors and translators, to put these stories in a certain order? What was the way that you decided to kind of lay out the book? Uh, actually, like um, I have to like acknowledge uh, Lindsay Hoar and Ruo Xichen for this work because it's their idea to like um, put the stories in this order, and we didn't uh, divide it uh, between stories and uh, nonfiction essays, um, or we didn't even like put the uh, stories in order by the authors' names. Uh, instead, we like I think it's basically their idea where I'm talking about me. We try to like put the stories in the order that um, um, in a way like readers can okay first taste a few pieces of stories uh, without being bad anything uh, written by us or introduced by us. And then when they get that um, uh, sensation, um, they will like move into a little bit of the introduction of the uh, history and the future of Chinese science fiction, and then move on to more stories and also learn about the translation techniques behind and also like then more stories. I I think in this way, it's a good combination of, okay, um, you, you, don't, you, you are not imposed of anything uh, that you need to know about the story. So you just feel them and uh, then uh, you move to the later part. And also I think like the uh, narration of the table of contents also like compose a of a story itself because it starts from uh, childhood and then moves on like to aging to death and also uh, moves on to uh, like larger themes like um, the, um, the 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 fate of uh, the entire globe or the fate of the entire village so like I think like it's also a story itself yeah so in translating were a lot of these translated out of Mandarin or are there a variety of dialects that were 
being used. Um, uh, actually, like all the stories are written in Mandarin, and one of them was uh, directly written in English. So what the plot says, uh, so that one is actually like first written in English, and then the author like translated it back to Chinese. And for the other stories, they are all written in Mandarin, which is uh, the major written language uh, in mainland China. And the, the last story, uh, of the book actually uh, touches upon the uh, male, male minority culture. So you will see like the protagonist, uh, they are from um, the uh, ethnicity group of Miaozu, uh, which is different uh, from like the major uh, Hanzu uh, people in China. That's amazing. And I know obviously with many languages, there's not a one-to-one -one translation for specific phrases or specific words. Do you find that difficult when you're translating to put in what you think the author wants to say versus kind of how you're translating it? Uh, I myself am, well, am, I myself am not the translator, so mm -hmm. I can't like uh, speak for them, but uh, I have to say like some of the essays uh, in the collection actually discuss about uh, that um, question you just asked. For example, Emily Xuanyijing has um, this article about uh, translating like the, if there a thing about uh, that is female quietness and it talks about uh, like um, the translatable and the untranslatable things uh, during her process. And also Yiling Wang talks about how she um, translates those um, cultural uh, connotations to those stories and the, what the skills and techniques uh, she or they use. Uh, so I think like if you are interested in that, those authors, uh, essays might be a good entry point. That's amazing. So do you have like one or two favorite short stories or essays from this book that just every time you think about it, you come back to it and you think about that one story? Well, that's a hard question for an editor. Yeah, because like each of them are my favorites. Right. That's why like we choose to put them together. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So as people read then, what are the main themes that you, when they sit down and they're reading, what do you want them to walk away with when they're done? Um, I, I guess uh, like to like, um, like in, in, actually like we, we did like um, during the um, editorial process, we were also like uh, seeking for the main theme of the book by ourselves because it's a kind of dynamic collaboration process. So in the end, I think uh, we get that um, the book is about um, those uh, Chinese or Asian cultural heritage, and we want our readers uh, to get that part uh, from this book. Um, because if we read many of th those stories, they actually use a lot of um, the mythologies and uh, uh, folk tales or cultural contacts of China or Asia in general. And I think that is one of the fascinating parts. Oh, awesome. So as an editor, did you have to do any research to put these stories together or did you have to stop and say, I don't know if that should go there? And if so, what kind of research did you do? 
Uh, actually, like it's natural for me because I'm a researcher myself, um, like especially women authors in Chinese science fiction. So like, and also I've been a like fantasy reader since my teenager years. So like for me, though the field is quite familiar to me, I don't actually need to do extra research, but I do need to like, um, um, try to reach out to some of the authors that I admire since my like teenager years because I don't know them personally. So I have to actually search online, finding them on social media and reaching out to them like, hey, you don't know me, but I admire story. <laughs> Can we like, explain it? <laughs> That's really cool. Did you find it difficult to juggle the incredible history of the Chinese culture and Chinese heritage in the way that you're trying to present it to the world? Did you ever like stress out about that? Um, well, not much stress, um, but we did have some uh, confusion in the very beginning, um, because when we were thinking about this, uh, okay, so if we are particularly um, choosing stories about um, this um, certain topic, are we like um, um, being um, like uh, Orientalists ourselves, um, but then we persuade ourselves, no, we are not doing that because these stories were written uh, for the Chinese readers um, when they were written. So they were not actually like targeted or written to be translated. So the author, when they create those stories, they just want to create good stories. And as editors, we judge on the qualities of the stories and the truth will what we like, and they just are certain, they, they just, uh, um, just uh, like coincidentally, like uh, share the similar theme, uh, and we try to put them together in the anthology, and uh, so like we, in the end, we don't doubt ourselves and think, okay, yeah, this is, a, we like, this is, a, a, and like, good product, and uh, we are proud of it, and uh, we are doing it in a correct way. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure everybody is so excited to buy this book and get into it. Can you tell people where they can follow you on social media, where they can buy the book, and um, then obviously where they can go and request it at their local library? Okay, thank you so much. Uh, so for me, I'm um, on Twitter, uh, just by Regina Kanye Wong. If you so search uh, Regina uh, under hyphen, uh, you will find me on Twitter and uh, for the book I think it's available on all like major platforms uh, like uh, Amazon and etc and uh, of course like please do like require it for your local library I guess you just need to send in uh, like a submission or recommendation and mm -hmm. hope the librarian will buy it yeah well, this is an amazing, from the, the sections of the book that I read, it's so great. And I'm a, I'm a huge fantasy reader. I've always been a fantasy reader since I was a little kid. So it's been really fun to dive into these stories and just get a different, you know, angle or a different view of the world. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you like it and uh, do, do enjoy all the stories. Yeah.
listening to Her Story on the Rocks. We are independently produced by 1986 Entertainment and proudly recorded in Baltimore, Maryland. If there's a woman in history you would like us to cover, you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com. You can also message us on Twitter or Instagram. We post all of our cocktail recipes on Tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us. See you next week. Bye.